0: This is Fiat Vox, a podcast that brings you news from UC Berkeley by the Office of Communications and Public Affairs. I'm your host, Anne Bryce. It's Black History Month, and every Monday we're going to feature a different African American woman leader on campus. Today we're hearing from Clotilde Hewlett, the executive director of the Cal Alumni Association. Some people move to San Francisco for its jobs or its nightlife, or its natural beauty. But Clotilde Hewlett moved for its rice She was 14 years old, waiting at the Canadian border with her mom and two younger sisters. They'd been there for two weeks, and things were not looking promising.
1: And at one point, my mother, out of despair, uh, looked at me and she said, where do you want to go? And all I could think of was I had seen a commercial called rice and they didn't look like people in San Francisco were suffering. Right, a the San Francisco treat. And I said San Francisco.
0: Hewlett grew up on the East Coast, first living in rural poverty in Ithaca, New York, then in tenement housing in Philadelphia's inner city. I was really thinking,
1: how can people live in this level of suffering? Um, this level of hunger, going without so many basic things, Mm -hmm. and yet there was such wealth in this country. And I resolved at that point that if I ever made it out of what I considered hell, um, I would never forget that feeling and that I would always work in whatever I did to relieve the suffering. So in essence, my early years um became the driving force for everything that I did afterwards.
0: But there were moments of light in Philadelphia, too. It’s where Hewlett saw her mother become an activist as part of the civil rights movement. At one point, the family lived in a little apartment in a community center called Fellowship House, where people gathered to find nonviolent solutions to social problems. She was right in the middle of it all, singing peace songs for the Freedom Riders about to leave on desegregation missions to the South.
1: And so it was ingrained in in me at a very early age, social justice, the equality of all people, regardless of race, religion, or gender. In
0: 1963, Hewlett joined her mother on the March on Washington. And I was very upset.
1: Uh, My feet hurt. I could not understand why I was on this long, long bus ride, only to march, which would seem like for hours.
0: But over the years, it's become one of her most precious memories.
1: And I just think my mother was so courageous to take this eight year old along um, so that she would never forget my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin,
0: but by the content of their character. I have a dream today.
1: And I have never forgotten.
0: Once the family was in San Francisco, things turned around. They moved into a small flat on the corner of Hayes and Buchanan.
1: There was a lot of pimp, pandering, drugs, you name it. and But to me, it was such an improvement. I felt I was in true heaven.
0: At 15, Hewlett started visiting a nonprofit community center that supported low-income youth. It was there that she met Jerry Brown, now the governor of California.
1: And I didn't really quite understand politics at that point. But I felt like, okay, this is the way out.
0: Brown suggested she go to UC Berkeley. I didn't even
1: look beyond to any other university. I was going to Cal.
0: And Hewlett applied and was accepted. It was on the Berkeley campus where her whole world opened up. As a kid, Hewlett loved learning. She'd raise her hand in class, eager to answer questions. But afterward, walking home, she'd brace herself for groups of kids looking for a fight.
1: I think when you're living in the inner city, there's a sense of hopelessness. Children at a very young age are no different than children are in worn, torn countries. They get it within their minds that they're going to follow the same patterns as their parents and their brothers and their sisters. And when one decides that they're going to break out of that mold and says, no, I'm not going to be a drug dealer. I'm not going to be in a gang. There's another life for me. I'm dreaming of something better, something different something beyond these walls, you are in fact challenging the status quo. And I would say that um, in the inner city, when you challenge the status quo, it is met with violence.
0: But at Berkeley, it was a different story.
1: I mean, I was like a kid in a candy store.
0: Hewlett spent seven years at Berkeley, first as a political science major and then as a law student. In law school, Hewlett was part of a large cohort of black students. When she was accepted in 1976, the law school, then called Bolt Hall, was under a lot of pressure to increase diversity. This was before California Proposition 209, which prohibits public institutions from factoring in race, gender, or ethnicity into admissions. The school sent out many acceptance letters to African American students, expecting only a fraction to accept. But black students already enrolled at the school paid a visit to every African American accepted, encouraging them to attend.
1: It was the largest class of African American students ever. It felt almost like what you might feel being in a black college.
0: Hewlett says having a large African-American student body put pressure on the law school to change its practices. She remembers this one time when she was asked to take a tax law exam that discussed Kunta Kinte, a character in the novel Roots, who was kidnapped from Africa and forced into slavery. The exam asked students to put a price on his body parts, referring to his body as property.
1: We're in shock. We're stunned. But we don't want to plunk out of law school, so we're trying to figure out what to do in the middle of the tax exam. And fortunately, all the white students stood up and walked out, which relieved us because then we could could protest without having to flunk out of that particular class. It was through that tax exam, I believe, that the administration started to come to a greater understanding of what it meant to be African American in this
0: country. After Hewlett graduated from law school, she blazed ahead, determined to make a name for herself. She became a district attorney's investigator and had to work with the San Francisco Police Department, which was under a consent decree for not hiring or promoting women and minorities. They did
1: everything they could possibly do to drive me out. And I'll never forget when this police officer came to me to get um, uh, this warrant. And he said, ah, you're the little black girl from the DA's
0: office. She was 28 at the time.
1: And so during my time, those were the types of situations you encountered day in and day out. Um, I never got into arguments with anyone. Um, I responded with pure perseverance. But what was building up in me was this level of Strength in aggression.
0: When Hewlett eventually got to the top of her field, she worked as Undersecretary of State and Consumer Services. She was a high-level assistant district attorney, a powerful legal lobbyist. She felt her confidence grow and her resolve harden. And she decided...
1: I will suffer in silence no more. And I turned into this very aggressive, outspoken leader that takes no prisoners. In fact, um, I think something that I've worked on a lot in my later years is the ability to use soft power.
0: When Hewlett became the executive director of the Cal Alumni Association in 2016, she was ready to give back to the campus that had opened the world to her.
1: Public higher education will set you free. Make no mistake about that. I wouldn't be here today. I came back to Cal to where it all started. I did not want to end my career at the top level of corporate America or the top level um, of government without really touching and changing
0: some lives. So she rolled up her sleeves and got to work supporting the next generation of leaders. The Alumni Association gives out more than 700 scholarships each year. Many go to underrepresented students, students of color, first generation students, undocumented students.
1: Being able to give them hope for their life, being able to show them a way forward will have a greater impact than anything I could do on a major corporate board or in high political office. Cause when we look at it, at the end of your life, you're going to die. Everybody's going to die and you're not gonna be able to take it with you. And the only thing that will be remain is what you've given to other people, what you did to make someone else's life a lot better.
0: Without her struggle, says Hewlett, she wouldn't be the leader that she is today, giving back to students who need it most. For Berkeley News, I'm Ann Bryce.